This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, I'm Timothy Zahn, creator of Grand Admiral Thrawn, and you're listening to Conversations Podcast. Good for you. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is... Episode 74. Conspiracy. <laughs> betrayal. Ominous orders. The Clone Wars would not go quietly into the night. It had a mission far greater. Ooh, intriguing. The lost missions. What's not lost is our guest list, because we have two fantastic people here with us tonight, Adam and Josh from A Certain Point of View Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was lost, but I think I ended up in the right place. (laughs) Thankfully, you guys did. But thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we got a really interesting topic tonight. We're going to be talking about the lost missions that's pretty much Yoda-centric at the tail end of the Clone Wars um, so that's what we're going to sort of talk about tonight and just some really deep lore stuff and some really very far reaching saga implications of some of the stuff that's in here. Now, I didn't do my research very well, apparently, because I don't know this answer, but the lost missions themselves, like that sort of set of that arc, if you want to call it, wasn't part of the original package of the Clone Wars episodes, were they like when they first aired? No, they were lost. <laughs> Didn't you read the title? <laughs> Don't worry, someone found them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right. After the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm, they uh, they never quite made it to air in the way that the first five seasons did. And uh, Pat and I were talking a little bit, and uh, he knows a little bit more about this than I do. But they were pretty far along in their uh, development process, uh, right, Pat? Yeah, they um, they were a couple years ahead of the release dates in terms of story arcs for the seasons. And, you know, obviously they come up with the story arcs and then they flesh out the bits, uh, animation and, and individual episodes in terms of scripting and everything else. So they had completed over half a season. And then Lucasfilm put the axe on it for uh, Cartoon Network. The animation team was like, well, we've already animated like a dozen of these episodes. (laughs) So, you know, obviously they were looking to release them. And the whole team had had hoped and and planned on them being released at some point. But then uh, Lucasfilm struck a deal with uh, Netflix to put the Clone Wars film, all of the episodes, uh, seasons one through five, and then also these lost missions. Wow, that's cool. Kind of sweeten yeah. the deal, yeah. yeah. And they had never been aired at that point then. Then they were that was like a brand new first run then. So basically, there was a uh, like some European network that was lobbying for the rights to air these episodes because they had released like teasers for season six, and um, kind of like despite Lucasfilm being like, uh, "Your show's canceled, dude." Um, <laughs> they they still like put together a trailer. So I, I think it was a German broadcast company was like, hey, we want to air these. 
So, of course, with the Internet being what it is, um, they knew that there was certainly interest in these lost episodes. So, Well, that's cool. Thank you for that background, because that uh, the content itself is really quite impressive and deep, like we talked about at the start. And, you know, the episode opens with, um, you know, the Jedi Council. And, you know, they're reeling from the realization, the news that Dooku is basically, you know, uh, in league with Sith Lord and, you know, sifo and the whole bit. Yeah, and I have to say, one of the most interesting things to me that came out of Attack of the Clones, because, you know, it's not near the top of my Star Wars list or anything, but I found the mystery of it to be really intriguing. And the whole sifo angle on it, I always found to be really interesting. We never really in the films got to see kind of the resolution of that mystery or what was behind it and everything. So I love how in these lost missions, we got to explore that a little bit more. Our last episode with the uh, star wives with uh, attack of the clones, they had uh, had some major questions about uh, the clone army and Cypodius and all. And it's like, yeah, you know, without this, that's that whole subplot is completely in the dark but i thought it was fantastic the way that they sort of quasi introduced force ghosts and visions uh you know like the yoda was having into the fabric of that so that when you see it later in you know in the, in the original trilogy and the force ghosts and all that's that's kind of uh paves the way for that yeah, there's some really great mythology stuff that comes out of, of this particular arc, I think. And it, yeah, especially with Force Ghosts and the ability to tap into the, the cosmic force and, and kind of the looking at the cosmic force versus uh, the living force. And, and I thought that was just so interesting. And I, I, I love these episodes. I really do. That whole, I think it's the last arc, right, with Yoda. Getting mm-hmm. some trippy stuff there, but there's some really deep lore, <laughs> uh, you know, with the... Like I said, the cosmic force, and then there's the dark side stuff with uh, Bane and uh, the Qui-Gon stuff. There's some really heavy stuff in those three episodes. And Mark Hamill. Indeed. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Mark Hamill, yep. Yeah, I mean, and so much so that, you know, at the outset, when uh, Yoda first hears Qui-Gon Jinn speak to him, Yoda literally says, this is impossible. Because even for him, this is not even the realm of possibility that he would expect to have happen. And of course... It is, you know, Qui-Gon's voice, but, and he says, you know, I'm now part of the living force, but the, there's still sort of a seed of doubt uh, in Yoda's belief of the fact that this is actually Qui-Gon. But then he hears it once again in the garden where the, the tree in the, their courtyard. And it's, it's funny how he's starting to turn and like in belief that this, this is not just maybe some sort of dark force trick, but something legitimate that's actually happening. And I think it's interesting, too, that the council is even kind of like questioning, like, what's what's going on with this guy? <laughs> what's going on with Yoda here? What's going on? Is he seeing things? Is he hearing things? You know, <laughs> he's getting up there in age. He's, he's so. getting up there. Maybe, you know, <laughs> he's he's, an, he's elderly. You know, we don't know. <laughs> so in the garden, he when he hears Qui-Gon's voice a second time, that's where, you know, they're all sort of coming out there. And uh, Yoda asks both. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan about the, that Mortis arc like they went to those planets and you know trying to understand to see what is he going through and even Obi-Wan agreed for, at this point in the story was that these voices were just some sort of kind of mind trick because again as part of the council in general like Josh was saying and we all have been saying is that you know they're all sort of looking at him like wait a second is he uh, he's okay there you know is there 
something coming loose at that point because it hadn't been heard of. And this really is the inception of force ghosts and, you know, using the living force to communicate with Jedi after they've, you know, become one with the force. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting that, you know, with, with all the history that we have in this galaxy, this is kind of the first time that this thing has popped up and this is something that, or, or, you know, maybe this knowledge has been lost uh, at the time, but like, Hmm. you know, like, it's interesting because we have seen this so much, you know, even going back to 1980. And for these characters, this is kind of the first time that, that they experience, you know, what this means, the ramifications of this, this whole, you know, existence after death. For me, it's really interesting because that's the genesis of this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I was watching this today, I, I was actually like, it brought to my mind, like, I really want to see the Force Ghost of Qui-Gon in the Obi-Wan oh, series. Like, that's yes. what I thought of instantly. Yes. Like, oh, I, re- I really need that, I feel. And I hope we get that. Um, I, I still feel like it would be a missed opportunity if, if we don't get that in the Obi-Wan right. series. Well, that was all part of his uh, going to Tatooine was, mm-hmm. you know, that he was going to do that. Yoda had training for him. Yeah, and what's most interesting with this particularly is you've got, you were saying, in in Empire with Luke, you know, just seeing Ben and being like, all right, I guess this is part of the Force. I didn't learn a whole lot about it, so I'll go with it. Um, But he just takes it for what it is. But, like, the Jedi on the Council had been learning about the Force and studying for centuries, so, you know, you think at that point, you know, everything there is to know about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, guess what? Here's another uh, force ability yeah. that, that we can tap into <laughs> cosmically. And they're all like, wait a minute. You know, it's, it's kind of no wonder Yoda's skeptical of it because you, you think like right. oh, the dark side's tricky, but we know all all the light side stuff. Very true. You know, so it's it's yeah. cool to kind of see the advent of that and the inception of, of that fourth power, I guess. And, you know, I would assume then, too, from what you guys are talking about, this maybe sort of sparked this idea, is that coming from Qui-Gon, of all Jedi, who was already sort of against the grain, had sort of that independent streak to him, um, it's almost too perfect of a Jedi who's passed on to the Force to actually discover this new ability and it's it's not to say that the jedi council is unmoving uh in new directions and uh fearful of new thoughts much like lothar but um you know especially in this case um (laughs) their concern is well grounded you know they even go through and get him to go and oh the sensory deprivation yeah that's right and yeah sort of see if that sparks anything you know and of course in this case it does yoda hears his voice again qui-gon's voice and saying uh this isn't the way you got to come to dagobah that's where really this whole entire adventure kicks off because this is where, like Adam was saying, this is where it gets trippy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's described as one of the purest places of the force in the galaxy. And it's not necessarily light or dark as we saw in empire where, you know, there's the, the cave scene and everything. So, um, this is where the, not the trial, but like the, the real learning steps for Yoda begins. So Qui-Gon describes that the living beings feed into the living force, which then in turn feeds the cosmic force. They communicate through the midichlorians. 
the cosmic force influences the real world around us in, in the living force as well. So it's, it's an ebb and flow between it. Yeah, it's a circle of life. It's a kind of symbiotic relationship. Did I use that term correctly? I don't know. Yeah, I believe so because they, they help one another. And it's through the midichlorians that this happens. So now we have, of course, one of the, you know, somewhat maligned and myself included when I first saw it, you know, the uh, Phantom Menace and the midichlorians. And this was very much a Qui-Gon thing. Um, in I actually loved midichlorians. I still love midichlorians. And, and I agree now. And especially yeah. with this type of material in the background helping inform what these things actually mean, that just right. gives it more power. And it's like, wow, it actually makes sense now versus just a term that was sort of nebulous. And, you know, how many times have we talked about how important the Clone Wars are as a, as a source for lore and information? But this is a perfect example. Yeah, and I totally agree. And the Clone Wars does this so often. I mean, the chips is something that they established better in Clone Wars and then revisited later. You know, it's so many times the Clone Wars has served as a great vehicle to expand that lore, like you mentioned, and uh, you know, solidify it more, you know, have things tie together more fluently, make more sense. You know, and, and thinking about the Qui-Gon stuff, it, it really lends a lot of power to final scenes in Revenge of the Sith with Yoda. Right. You know, this is, you know, kind of where he learns what he's going to pass on to Obi-Wan. The Clone Wars broaden the universe in such a great way. To go along with that, Adam, I think it does things that you couldn't do in a film, you know, or in a, necessarily. You know, like, it, it expands that lore in a way that you, Because I, I think, you know, the trippiness of this is a little <laughs> bit more acceptable in animated form. I don't know if this would work in a movie. The places they go with this and, and with the Force lore. And I'm still curious to see what George Lucas's sequel trilogy would have been. But... He might have gone into this trippy kind of midichlorian <laughs> microorganism territory. I, I heard a rumor of that some at some point, and you got to wonder if it would have worked or not. But, um, but yeah, I do like that the Clone Wars was able to kind of expand on some of those things. I think pacing wise, uh, there's there's a lot to be said because you know you have the time to explore these things in a different way than you do on, uh, you know, cinematically. So when you're trying to cram all this stuff (laughs) into, you know, two hours on screen and you got to get from point A to point B, it's like, there's there's not many stops in between. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially with a series like this with now seven seasons, you can go down these different avenues and explore these different things that make sense and enrich the franchise, but also can be encapsulated, you know, and can be their own story in their own right. Yeah. And like we said, the animation allows for the exploration of some of these more out there worlds. And, you know, once Qui-Gon sets Yoda off on this mission to learn of how to commune the destiny, episode 12, where He's sent to this uh, nebula, and of course, with him the whole time is R2, who's, uh, you know, being his astromech. Which, can I just say real quick, so Yoda's got this almost intimate relationship with R2 at this point. <laughs> so then, so then <laughs> as I mentioned to Charles earlier this evening, um, on Dagobah in Empire, yeah. when, when he first meets R2, <laughs> you know he's just screwing with him. Because why not? Yeah. 
Oh, by the and, way, um, we've established tonight that Yoda is a cantankerous old Italian man. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> we've we've like cracked I, Frank Oz's code. I feel like I need to talk about this for a second because I feel like it's kind of on topic, too. Um, Adam earlier sent me an article that was conducted with Dave Filoni about this particular the lost missions and the Yoda arc and everything. And he was saying how, you know, some people wonder why the Yoda and Empire, how he was on Dagobah and everything doesn't match up with maybe the Yoda we see in, in the Clone Wars. But he makes a lot of interesting points about why that is. Um, and, and just talking about, you know, at that point, he wasn't enlightened in Empire Strikes Back and the Force at that point. But I always read Yoda and Empire like he was testing Luke, like he was messing with him. You know, that yeah, I, I was. I didn't think in Clone Wars Yoda was being out of character because after he messes with Luke and tests him, he does become quite serious about the force and about everything that's going on. And um, so for me, I always saw it that way, that he was, you know, all that Yoda silliness and everything was just testing Luke and Luke's patience and and all those things. And once Luke fails at that, Yoda immediately calls to Obi-Wan like, Mm-hmm. This is what you bring me? You bring me this <laughs> train? For what you bring it is a guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> basically Uncle June from The Sopranos. Yeah, see? Sit. See? Contagious old Italian. Um, so his silliness and his, his initial demeanor, his very Muppet-like demeanor, um, it fits. It's believable. And it's believable as a viewer. So you're like, oh, look at this silly little creature. Um and then you're like, wow, he's this wise old Jedi master by the end of that scene. So to see him being that wise Jedi master in his element, you know, throughout the beginning of the Clone Wars and the, and the prequels is, is like, OK, he's on his home turf. This is him at his height. And then, you know, again, having him thrown for a loop with something that he didn't expect, wasn't aware of, uh, kind of catches him off guard and throws him off balance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like you said, Pat, before, where you've got centuries of learning in the Force, and then suddenly you get this curveball, and Qui-Gon Jinn's coming back from the grave and talking to them, and on this nebula, Yoda meets these priestesses, and they set him off on a mission to conquer his fears, and, you know, don't get too full of yourself, because just when you think you're done, you're not. And so if you then fast forward to Empire, like we're talking about, and... Yoda's toying with Luke. Not only does he have, you know, the 800 years of learning about the Force, he's got this whole other side that he's learnt and then therefore got uh, Obi-Wan to learn and, and to commune with. So, you know, Luke is at this point where, oh, I can learn the Force, I can be a Jedi, whatever, I'm good. And Yoda's like, dude, you have no idea. And so that is almost like part of the training. Like we're talking about, like Josh was saying is that, yeah, I'm just toying with you to see how serious you are as a candidate. And like you said, it's like, really You're, Ben, this is who you send me. Um, but this depth of what he goes through in these, uh, in these episodes really adds that floor to just how far down Luke has to sort of reach down and understand how strong in the force one would have to be, especially to uh, defeat someone like Darth Vader. Yeah, and speaking of um, arrogance and everything, and, and, and we see a, a little bit of Yoda's arrogance 
in this episode because he's like, I'm a Jedi master. I've conquered all my fears. I, you know, I'm <laughs> again, I have to go back to attack of the clones and there's a conversation between Obi-Wan and Yoda about Anakin being arrogant. And Yoda has a quote to the effect of it's a trait that's more and more common among Jedi, even the wiser, more experienced yes. ones. And is he talking about himself? In in that situation, I don't know, but it kind of connects to this moment of arrogance for him, which I thought was interesting. Absolutely. It was one of those lines that I've, you know, I've thought about before and just the Star Wives have pointed out, like they even like railed on it. And when they talked about the Phantom Menace, uh, but also, of course, the Clone Wars, where that arrogance, like, you know, you think you know it all, but you don't. And, uh, you know, and another line from that from the episode was they talk about the decadence of war and how that has not dulled their senses, but it's a very different marching path for the Jedi. And perhaps they have taken their eye off the ball of what they're supposed to be doing. I think he needed that to recenter himself. Yeah. You know, you, sure. you need to explore your limitations. You need to explore your weaknesses to, you know, be able to get stronger. You know, it's interesting to have a being who's 850 years old at this point, um, kind of hitting a reset button on identifying weaknesses in order to train because then he uses that to train Luke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's another cool part of that episode too when he first meets the priestesses. Priestesses. Um, in that cave. The what? That, the priestesses. Priestess? The priestesses? Priestesses? <laughs> Priest I, I, okay. I think it's, I think it's priesti. Priestesses. <laughs> ah, priesti. <laughs> <laughs> when um, he first meets them, that cave that he's in there is very reminiscent of the world between worlds and like some of those luminescent lines and obviously, you know, rebels coming uh, after that. I found it like, definitely some inspiration, this particular set for the world between worlds. And if that's the case, if that tie is in there, that opens up even more interesting tendrils to what these priestesses could mean or what these places that Yoda's visiting could mean for the larger view of the force. Yeah, there are so many of these things, you know, like the priestesses, like some of the stuff we're talking about here that can be really still fleshed out. We haven't got to the bottom of that barrel, you know. You know, I don't know when or how they get back to that type of stuff, uh, but I'd really like to see some, some some more stuff, you know, with the priestesses or with the father, son, daughter, you mm -hmm. know, uh, with, you know, some of this some of this force lore that we're talking about in this Yoda arc. Um, there's so much more uh, that, that, you know, they can explore in canon. So I, I hope that I hope that that's on the radar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Come on, Disney Plus. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to Dagobah, which is a very rich in pure force, mm. you know, that sort of neutral force. And then you go to Moraban, which is richly imbued with uh, the dark side. Yeah. To sure. kind of be on uh, enemy territory here and um, and have that, you know, not not necessarily influence him, but certainly try him and be something he's very much not used to to explore that that side of the force and of himself you're kind of getting the flip side of what he just saw with Thega, but you know you're, you're getting you know with what qui-gon has, has gone on to you know in, in his afterlife versus what uh you know one of the most well-known sith of all time has gone you know has, has become in his 
uh, afterlife. Uh, it's kind of like very Yoda's kind of like a Ghostbuster here. You know, he's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. Cool. <laughs> I'd love to see Yoda try to put on that proton pack. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going on those uh, you know ghost hunter tours, and he's he's looking for all the the paranormal stuff, which is all I I love these episodes for that. You know, for that stuff, I love I love getting into that type of stuff. He, he's really seeing. You know, this kind of this like haunted possession type thing with a Sith, you know, this twisted version of what, you know, of what Qui-Gon has become, you know? Yeah. And like right from the get go, I mean, he is attacked by these snakes and then they turn into beasts and then they all these like and he's surrounded by like these dark spiritual animals and and beasts and sort of like retrying his fear, I guess. uh, And but even versions of himself. And don't forget Goatee Yoda. Yes. The evil one. Right. Yeah. Very evil. Yeah, the bad guy. Yes. The bad, guy. bad guy always has the goatee. Yeah. <laughs> See? Uh, Wait a minute. Adam. Wait a minute. Cam would agree with that, that one. Feeling about it's actually one. the villain. Yeah. <laughs> Adam's the villain. <laughs> Plays the nice guy, but, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like the sheep in Zootopia. Yeah, I'm real quiet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> The sheep in Zootopia. But shortly after these encounters start happening, Palpatine senses this going on. Summons Dooku to Coruscant, and they end up playing a major role in this episode as well. And that just shows how close this can swing either way at this point. And he's really, you know, over his head. Well, I mean, you know know what I mean? Like, it's... (laughs) What's that supposed to mean? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> oh, I think I do. I think I do. Oh man. Um, yes. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna go ahead and just say. I'm gonna interject here. It's interesting how close Yoda gets to these answers, and and how close those visions are to what actually ends up happening that we see in, say, Revenge of the Sith. I th- I thought that stuff was really oof. interesting as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like with Anakin, when he has those visions, you know, they're almost, they're certainly foreboding, but they're like, um, you know, is this a fixed future or is this something that could happen? You know, with everything that's being thrown at Yoda, he's got, you know, all sorts of different, like, imagery and experiences that it's got to be tough to know what's what. Is it real? Is it, you know sort of a cautionary tale or is this the explicit future you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean darth bane and mark hamill he shows up in this and he sees yoda and he's like what are you supposed to be my apprentice he's wildly confident but again yoda does pass this quote-unquote <laughs> trial uh with him quite handily and you know almost in his disbelief of seeing him and uh, regardless of the fact he just spent you know the past two visits to other planets communing with qui-gon we come to find out at this point that all of the trials previously were orchestrated by the five priestesses. But now, if this wasn't bad enough, when you step through that opening over there, uh, you're on your own. Yeah, so, um... Psychodias. Yes. That's kind of scary. Because, you know, it's obviously, it's a forced vision of Psychodias. But he's almost, like, frantic and, you know, he's, he's obviously dead, but he has a serious sense of urgency to him. And he's almost desperate to 
enlighten Yoda and as to, you know, kind of what's going on and what has gone on um, kind of outside of Yoda's knowledge, because with his actions with the clone army and everything, we're outside of the council. So, you know, most of what he was doing was kind of, you know, off script and off the radar as far as the Jedi were concerned, trying to frantically catch him up to speed as if he's running out of time. Yeah, and almost as like a play to recruit him. I mean, you know, obviously it's Sidious playing as Sifo to just, you know, bait him in to become an ally versus an adversary. And much like Dooku did with Obi-Wan in Attack of the mm-hmm. Clones, he like literally lays out the entire plan. It's so it's a it's a very interesting play. And like you said, Pat, it's like to do it as Sifo Dias, especially as this whole arc started where the so the revelation, the the bomb that they dropped that of how Sifo Dias was involved with the whole thing. Um, you know, lends even more weight to how he's doing it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, in their minds, this all makes perfect sense, and what they're doing is completely logical. So to present specifically these two Jedi with that same information seems reasonable that, that they may say, yeah, you're right, let's do this instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. To do it as... Sidious, or, or as someone Leota knows as the villain, would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. But to do it as someone who Yoda would be intrigued by, or, or knew as a as a friend, or as, as you know Jedi, would be the only way you're going to get through to him and have him listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gets pulled out of this psycho trap, and then that's when they pursue the Separatist ship, which is Dooku. And, you know, of course, it's it's made to seem as though he was pulled out back into reality, but he was pulled Pulled out into into another uh, vision. Yeah. Right. Okay. Where Anakin fights Dooku and beheads him and Yoda continues to pursue Sidious, not knowing who he is and trying to figure out who he is. Right. While engaging him in battle and getting force lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then that ultimately fails. And so then we're back. Yes. So the reality is reset and we're back in real time with Yoda. And he realizes that almost in the same place where he was meditating at the start when he first arrived on Morban, he's back there. And these trials are now complete. Even now that the priestesses have seen that he's passed this ultimate test, they say that Qui-Gon will commune with him and begin his training. And this is where now... We fast forward, like Josh was saying, into the Revenge of the Sith, uh, where Yoda has the ability to, you know, give an assignment to Obi Wan, and you know, you assume that here's, you know, here's your reading material for, for the next uh, <laughs> decade, you know, that kind of thing. Study up, buddy. yeah. And um, this is where that now the Jedi have this new power, this new ability, and how important that is through the original trilogy and obviously through the sequel trilogy as well. Without this arc, that wouldn't be possible. Yeah, and like uh, like the fellows were saying, it's cool to see that actually fleshed out, you know, on screen. Yes. That you wouldn't otherwise see in, in the films. Right. And there's two more things that I found really interesting um, with all the cool stuff we talked about. One of the priestesses, Serenity, I think it is, mentions to him that there is another Skywalker. And the mm-hmm. way she says it is almost identical to the way mm-hmm. Yoda said it to Luke on Dagobah as he's passing into the Force. So do you think at that point that they know about Padme and the fact that she's pregnant? 
what I was wondering when I was watching this scene was who is she referring to? Because Yoda doesn't even know Luke at this point. So is she referring to like there's another hope in the galaxy and uh, aside from if Anakin's going to fail as the chosen one, you know, is she referring to Luke or being the other, or is she referring to Leia? You know what I mean? Wow. So it, that was yeah. kind of in my mind, Very like, cool. who, who is this actually referring to uh, in this context? So, but yeah, I really thought that was interesting. That, that part as well. Yeah. Cause it could just simply be the offspring of Anakin. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. which you know at this point no one knows that she's having twins mm-hmm. so you know um to to get that sense that there's another powerful skywalker you know you, you don't have to know that there's two of them yeah and then you don't have to choose between two of them. it's mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 the plot. No. right so it could be either one um headcanon so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it sets up more of the pieces to be in play later on, like in yeah. the original trilogy and all, which is really very cool. So it's that same sort of ripple that Sidious would have felt when Yoda tapped into the dark side a little bit. You would assume a similar ripple would be felt with the Force um, kind of uh, through... A, a neonate <laughs> <laughs> in utero <laughs> and the second question that i had at the very end of this episode the camera pulls out and they're all having this sort of warm and fuzzy feeling in the garden and they come up out of the tree and they focus on that flower and they hold on that flower and i don't know why and that it's too long to not be significant and i don't know why they do that artsy fartsy stuff <laughs> that, see, see that's the flower um that gleams and glows to let your power shine um, <laughs> it's a rapunzel reference no that's not the one uh, i got it um I'm it's just glad uh, it wasn't a blue butterfly <laughs> sorry everybody out there i think i i think my interpretation it's he's absolutely right it's artsy party stuff it's it's up to the viewer's interpretation which which all good art is there's not a wrong answer but the right answer <laughs> is that it's the blossom flower and it's a symbol of hope okay. and rejuvenation and renewal and new life and that, that things are looking up from here guys so we never know mind the fact flower. that order 66 is about to happen <laughs> right but so do we know if they're... it's a perennial flower though <laughs> <laughs> it blossoms once is dead forever oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of grim um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think it's like in this moment it's like you know, even though and yoda's seeing this this these visions of a, a future that's not good you know that there is going to be tragedy there there's going to be loss there are going to be these bad things that are going to happen because of the dark side but there's also like like pat was saying this this hope for new life and there's this new hope in in luke possibly or, or leia you know and um so that, that's kind of how I would yeah. interpret it. But Charles, what about you? I, I mean, I literally had that question. And 
the I thought about like, is it a pattern? Is it these things? I mean, I never actually even just brought it down to a positive thought of hope. And I think that's a wonderful way of ending it because really that's what it is. Um, you know, at this point, Yoda has now unlocked the ability to start training to commune with Qui-Gon. He sort of gets a hint that there's a new hope coming, foretelling of the future. And this ability that he's about to learn is going to be an integral part of helping the galaxy to fight the Empire. And I think that's a wonderful way of looking at it. Well, at least we know that when gone am I, the last of the shrubbery will you be. (laughs) (laughs) Shrubbery! (laughs) He's not wrong at all. (laughs) Well, that's, Mm. uh, that's the... The arc, the not the lost missions, <laughs> because they're all the lost missions. No. But um, yeah. <laughs> Yoda's arc of the lost Yoda's missions. Arc, yeah, yes. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for coming on uh, tonight with us, uh, Adam and Josh. It was fantastic to have you guys back with us, and uh, with a really cool subject. Um, really, thank you for that. Thank yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was it was fun to talk a little Star Wars again, and especially to get to spend that much time with with Yoda again. Um, I, I think they did a masterful job with this arc and the way that it connects to uh, the mythology of the Force and you know the, the things that come after that, and even the original trilogy. So, yeah, it's just great stuff. When you know, I think when Dave Filoni and, and George Lucas are both behind something like that, they can can really put some awesome stuff in there yeah it was it was a masterful job with master yoda something <laughs> yes. that we couldn't say if we were talking about anakin and i think he, oh, achieved, he achieved mastery of the force as well <laughs> oh man <laughs> can't believe it you went there you did you went there. i did i did <laughs> oh man speaking of going there where can we go to find you guys oh, oh uh, nice one pro pro level pro segue. <laughs> wow all right. Well, um, best place to find uh, find our stuff is on our website, which is now facepovpodcast.wordpress.com. We changed that up since the last time on our show. And uh, you can find all of our episodes there, show notes and links to other stuff, such as our YouTube channel and Discord server, which is another great place to go to find out you know what we're up to. And uh, yeah. We've started a film 101 series where we're kind of like dissecting kind of the main parts of film so we can kind of learn how to talk about film better than I have done in the last two years of having a podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so we uh, talked about the three-act structure in mm-hmm. film. Let's check that out. Uh, it was a good show, fun it show. fantastic. So uh, where right. can people find us? Um, well, can't really find me anywhere because um, <laughs> – because I'm not. Yeah. I've uh, I've taken even more of a social media break than usual. Um, so I'm not anywhere. Just like um, our t-shirts. However, <laughs> r- mm, yes, just like our t-shirts. Our ideas are there. But, um, yeah, so our, our best place is also our website at conversations.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Facebook.com slash conversations. At the Twitters, at Swations, <laughs> uh, Conversations on Instagram. And uh, is that still a thing? People still Instagram? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Uh, we have a link tree. Um, we're in the Red 5 network. Uh, you know, still. 
surprisingly. Um, I mean, I'm just as surprised as you. I thought we would have got kicked out a while ago. Um, so, so that's us. And um, we appreciate you guys coming on. We love your show. And um, so I think that just about does it. The Force will be with you from a certain point of view. What's the best little snack in the outer rim? It's Toshi Station Bagels! Now featuring donuts. The force is strong with them. Oh, I agree, Master Plo. The force is very strong with these conversations. This is the conversation you're looking for. I like to say that. Conversation. Now I can't stop. All right. May the force be with you. Listen on. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>